Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I'm just going to grab a healthy breakfast. Are those gummy bears wrapped in a food roll-up? The Nightcap. Breakfast burrito, but yeah. I pity your dentist. On WGR. Joke's on you. I don't have a dentist. Sports Radio 550. the nightcap with joe dibiase and kyle powell here on wgr you know we had nate geary on last week he said he gets a lot of uh he gets a lot of replies on twitter for people thinking it's him on the air during this show and uh i think i don't i don't don't know if i want uh, my voice sounding like nate's even though i don't get the same thing back which is a good thing, because it's just some wild stuff a lot. And I don't know if I need that in my Twitter life right now. So the Sabres lost last night, one nothing. They're three points out of a playoff spot, which, I mean, for how they've played the past few months, it's not that bad. Uh, but it is a testament to show you that even though it is hard to miss the playoffs when you bank so many points like they did early in the season, it's not impossible, and they're proving that right now. As they said, three points out, even though they were first place in the NHL like two months ago. And now we're chasing Columbus and chasing Boston and Montreal and Pittsburgh and Washington, if you want it. And uh, there's the Islanders just running away with things. They're seven points up now, which I guess isn't enormous, but uh, it's there. Uh, a couple things that happened in last night's game that I want to touch on, starting with that second line. And yeah, I'm calling them the second line, because really what most of this year has been has been Eichel, Skinner, and early in the year was Pominville, and then it became Reinhardt. That top line just running the show. Getting most of the goals, most of the offensive production, most of the scoring chances, even on the power play, like they're getting all the power play minutes. This was a one-line team all year, and it's been a one-line team all year. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Like, who's going to break out? Will Middlestat break out? Will Thompson break out? Will Pominville get going again? Can Giergensen's or Larson give you something? Can Oposo get going? Like something. Give me something in terms of a second line. And really most of the year it's been, they've had three third lines if you look at it. Ice time-wise, scoring-wise. They haven't really had a real second, third, and fourth line. They've just kind of had a first line and three other lines that play about even. And two... You know you're not going to get much offense because they are led by defensive-minded centermen in Vladimir Sabotka and Johan Larson. I like Larson's line. I think all year they've played great in terms of possession. They keep the puck in the opponent's end almost the entirety of the throw on the ice. They don't score much. They don't get a ton of chances. Even the last night I thought they did get some chances. But they're not going to score a lot. They do their job, but they're not going to score a lot. Which line is going to step up? And I think the last two games, like a little bit of a breath of fresh air, 
we might actually have a second line in the making here. Because the last two games, for maybe the first time all year, the Sabres' best line was not a line that was led by Jack Eichel. Two games in a row. Middlestat, Sherry, Rodriguez have been great. They look fast. They look great on the forecheck. They're causing turnovers. They're getting chances. They're scoring some goals. Their chances are creating garbage goals, which is when you know that you're creating opportunities. Because it is hard, but, you know, you'll get middle stat once in a while who have this glamorous goal. Thompson, kind of the same thing. He'll have a glamorous goal once in a while. But the volume in scoring only comes once you start to get the chances that lead to easier goals. And that line has had that the past two games. Look at what their two goals were. They were both against Columbus, one of which was Rodriguez following up on a rebound, and he had the whole net to slide the puck into. And he did. Look at Sherry, and I think it was the second period against Columbus. Rebound, opportunity, he had basically the whole net to slide the puck into. Didn't even have to, didn't even have to get the puck off the ice, and it got in. And Sherry especially. He's an interesting player to me. I don't really think he's got a very high upside when it comes to scoring. He was a 50-point player a couple years ago. I think that's going to be hard for him to ever replicate because he did that on a line with Crosby. And he's not playing with Eichel, so I don't think he ever gets back to like a 50-55-point player. Unless he plays like Eichel like for a season. Last two games, he's looked different to me than the rest of the season. Most of the season and his career, you know what he's looked like to me? A guy that is super fast, but... His skating ability doesn't keep up with his speed. And sometimes those two things can get conjoined. You'll talk about how good someone is as a skater, and you'll just assume that that means speed. In this situation, I think you can't. you got to separate them. Because I think Sherry is one of the fastest players on the team. But he's not an incredible skater. He's not super tight in his edges. He'll go into the corner. He he's, gets off balance very easily, it seems. He'll be on the ground more than others. Like, Eichel, I would say, is a phenomenal skater. You never see him on the ground unless he's getting boarded by Jamie Benn. Sherry will end up on the ground once in a while. Not the past couple games. He looks shifty. He looks like he's doing whatever he wants. He looks good enough on his skates and on his feet that he's trying to make moves, and it's almost working. He had one play. He almost went coast-to-coast against Columbus. And he's not really a player that I would say is typically going to be a guy that carries it through the zone. He's more of a chip-and-chase guy. But if he can give you that more consistently, that carrying the puck through the zone, making tape-to-tape passes, then I'll be a little more enthused about what he can actually be as a player. And I think that probably that has come hand-in-hand with the fact that middle sets look better the past two games. Two players on this team that I never thought, and really never will think, unless something drastic changes, can put up consistent numbers unless they are with great centers. Sherry Oposo. Because if you look back at both of their careers, the only time they ever really do put up big stats is when they're playing with big-time centermen. Oposo with Tavares and then Ryan O'Reilly, and Sherry with Sidney Crosby. And a little bit Malkin, but not much in Pittsburgh. It was mostly Crosby for him. Middle stat coming on for the rest of the season would not only be big for him, but I think it would be huge to keep Sherry going. And I think Rodriguez is a very like maybe the most versatile player on the team. You could just plug him in on that line, and I think he'll be okay. 
He's not going to drive it. But, like, I like him as a player. I, preferably, I don't want him on my second line. But, I mean, they're in a tough spot. They have gotten almost no depth scoring. And if he's going to skate the way he skated, we know he's fast, Rodriguez. Um, he doesn't have much of a shot. But I think he can fit in on that line. Like, if that line can keep going, Middlestat, Rodriguez, and Sherry, fueled by Middlestat down the middle for the rest of the year, because he's the guy we know that has that high ceiling, then this team legitimately should be in the playoffs because their biggest hole all year has not only been scoring down the middle, but it's been just finding a second line. And if you can plug that hole with these three guys and they can come on the rest of the year, then I think it's going to be hard to keep the Sabres out of a playoff spot. But like I said, they got to do that because it's only two games and 48 games we really haven't seen it. Two of 50. So let's hope they keep that going. But uh, like I said, breath of fresh air and something to keep an eye on, something to kind of be optimistic about. They might actually have a second line, like a legitimate one. And we'll see if that keeps up. Um, I also want to get into the Jamie Benn hit on Jack Eichel and... We got a call on that actually right now, 8030550, by the way, if you want to get in on any of this. So we'll just go right out to it before we tra- as we transition to uh, that boarding penalty on Jamie Benn. The officiating in general, uh, it was a really questionable night. Let's go to Bill. Bill, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, how you doing tonight? Good. How about you? Good, man. Good. Got a fight in the cold, but it's, you know, typical Buffalo stuff. Um, hey, uh, last night's game was pretty tough to watch, that third period. I mean, uh and I agree with you on that second line, by the way, especially if middle yeah. can start finishing. Yep. Um, but it, it was brutal watching that game. I mean, between the – I don't know how you could replay that call. And, and I, I'm, I'm against replays because it seems like they never get replays right for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know how you could replay that and not say that both of those guys pushed them. I mean, it was blatantly obvious. Uh, it goal should have counted. Then, then they cross-checked uh, Eichel viciously into the corner, Jamie Benton. Uh, and completely ignored it uh, while we were getting some pressure on him. And the worst thing of the game, in my opinion, was there was about four minutes left in the game, and it was a blatant icing call, and they just ignored right. it. No, no icing. It cost us about a minute off the clock. And that almost led to a goal by Dallas because they got a glorious opportunity like right oh, off of that. And and I'm, I'm just, as a Buffalo fan, I'm real sick of getting stomped on, and I'm sick of being nice and just saying, well, you know, it's a judgment call or an error. I mean, I'm starting to feel hockey and football, for whatever reason, these, these officials have, or whoever, the league has an axe to grind with small market teams like Buffalo, and it's not good for business when we win, so they do whatever they can do to kind of have us lose the game. I mean, that game, how you can say that them refs didn't directly affect the outcome of that game is beyond me. They did. And, and I don't want to hear score more goals or none of that crap. I mean, it was a 1-1 game, and it would have been the tie, and it would have went into overtime, and quite frankly, we outplayed them the whole game. We would have beat them. And, you know, this is, it's crap, and I'm sick of it. Now, you know, that, that, that was a big game for us, and that win would have been huge. Mm-hmm. You know, for, why did the refs have to directly get involved and get their stink on all of these games? I'm sick of it. Yeah, Bill, I, I hear some of what you're saying. I would disagree with some of it. Like, I, I, I do think they're affecting games, and I think they're doing it in a negative way. I don't want to assume – I don't want to think that they're doing it on purpose, and I don't think that they are doing it on purpose. Like, I don't think there's a – vendetta against small market teams at least when it comes to officiating maybe there's other stuff that would directly affect that i think the nhl is maybe the one league you wouldn't want to say that about there's so much parity like anybody can win like winnipeg's one of the best teams in the league this year um but like you do have a point and it's how inconsistent officiating is 
it's not just that they throw the rule book out in the third period, which still makes no sense to this day. It's like, we got a rule book until the third period, and then we don't want to affect the game. Well, you are affecting the game because you're essentially allowing other teams to gain an unfair advantage. That is affecting the game, even though you're, you're not actually blowing the whistle. You are still affecting the game. You're essentially allowing other teams to cheat in a way. It's not just that, though. It's the inconsistencies. And I don't need more replay because, really, they don't change anything ever on replays. We had Paul Hamilton on the afternoon show today with Chopin the Bulldog, and he made a great point. They just stick with what the call was on the ice for goaltender interference. So why do we even review it if, you just, if they're never, ever going to change it? Because last night was an example. And they, I think that's the one thing that they should get that would be consistent. You put it in the rule book. You put it to your referees that if a player, opposing player, gets pushed into the goaltender and the puck goes in, that goal should count because that player is not actually doing anything wrong. Nathan Beaulieu did not do anything wrong on that play last night, but he essentially got penalized for it and got punished for it. I thought the idea of penalizing and... Punishing is to affect change and make sure that they don't do it again. But what are we telling Nathan Bullyu to not do again? Go hard to the net? Because he was not going to make contact with the goaltender. He was going hard to the net like every player in the NHL is taught to do. And because the Dallas defenseman shoves him into the goaltender, that's called no goal. So you know what you're actually doing there? You're allowing an opportunity for coaches, players, to watch that on film the next day and say, hey, if you got a guy going hard to the net, don't do it too hard because we don't want our goaltenders getting hurt, but don't be afraid to shove him into your own goaltender because guess what? Basically, the play's dead. It's just it's it's mind-boggling that they allow that, and you, I think you have to allow that goal. I think you have to change the way all of this is officiated with goaltender interference, and you have to say if a player... An opposing player is shoved into his own... If if Bullyu is shoved into Ben Bishop by the Dallas defenseman, the Dallas defenseman is the one in the wrong because he's the one that is creating the problem. Therefore, not on the Buffalo player. Therefore, Buffalo shouldn't be punished for it. Should have been a 1-1 game. I, I disagree that they were outplaying Dallas. Right, and you can even take it a step further if you want. This is... Again, this would be adding an extra price to the penalty of pushing an offensive player into your goaltender, but much like how referees use intent when kicking the puck into a goal, yep. if they see intent and you're trying to draw a goaltender interference, if you're the defender, you could serve a penalty too. And why why not just allow it all, really? Yeah. The k- kicking the puck into the net. Um, go- not, like, I don't want to allow goaltender interference, but make it a little more lenient. Like, this is the only league that doesn't in like want to make offense more rampant in its league. Do they want to make scoring better? And it's actually happening, but I think the I think it's happening because I think the talent is going up, like uh, markedly. It seems like every year we got a generational talent going into the draft. That was not the case every year, and I know it's not technically true right now because last year you had a draft where there wasn't a generational talent, but you did with the McDavid draft. You had two. You did last year with Darlene. You did with the Matthews draft. You did with the McKinnon draft. 
Next year, you're going to have it with Jack Hughes. It seems like we're just pumping in elite players. And I think that is the biggest reason scoring's gone up. They're going to set a mark this year for most players. They're on pace to. To have the most players above 100 points in the league in one season since like 93. I think they have like 14 right now. Four years ago, there were zero. Like Jamie Benn led the league with 88 points. That happened. But it's not the league doing, I don't think. And that's more of an overall league issue. But I think that goal last night, if the refs didn't get it wrong and they called it the right way, then you need to change the rules. Because there's the Sabres didn't do anything wrong in that play, but they got penalized for it. How does that make sense? I do disagree with the caller, though. I don't think they were outplaying the Stars. If you look at the game overall, it was pretty even. Dallas was getting better chances. Shots were around the same. Look at the heat map and where both teams' chances came from. Without a doubt, the quality yeah. was in Dallas's favor. And again, Paul said it best. He's there for every game. Buffalo looked like a team that had just come from Columbus the night before. Yep. They did. That's and the result you're going to get. And it sounded like from the, the description of the game, I only watched the second period, but they sort of morphed their energy and kind of was a, they were able to parcel it out a little bit better. So they had some attack ready for the third mm-hmm. period, but that first period, it was sluggish through. and you expected it. Yeah. They just couldn't break through in the third. I thought they were That's a rough back to back. Yeah. Yeah. To go Columbus and then Dallas. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like just look at the heat map on it. All of the Stars' chances were coming from the slot. Like, Olmark was phenomenal last night. And look at the same heat map on the Sabre side, and it's all above and outside the faceoff circle. Like, how many grade-A chances did they really even have last night? Skinner had the one in the slot in the third, where I want him to score that goal. Like, he's going to get paid $9 million, I want him to score that goal. Because he had both corners open, he had both sides open, Bishop had no idea where the puck was. But... I'm not you don't you don't want, don't not gonna criticize Skinner though, because he's done more than pull his weight this year. But like that was their only grade A chance. Dallas is a team that's very low event though. Least they've allowed the least amount of goals. I think I saw last night they've allowed the least amount of goals in the first period. And they've they've scored the least amount of goals in the league in the first period. So they're not a very fun team to watch. It seems they're also a playoff team as, as of now. But uh, that was a tough one. I'm glad, though, that the Sabres beat Columbus. That was a more important game. That was a four-point game, and you had to do that because you look at the picture right now, and they've kind of joined the mix. Last week, I was kind of talking about how Montreal, I think, might be the only team you can realistically catch. I think Columbus has kind of hopped in there. All this stuff going on off the ice with Panarin and Bobrovsky is not even the only reason for that. I mean, they've lost three in a row, and they haven't looked good. They're that also Sabre out. game, they lost 5-4. to four. They should have lost that game by more. Sabres outplayed Columbus in that Definitely. game. Definitely. Yeah. They're also without Cam Atkinson tonight against really? Winnipeg. He took a puck to the mouth in warm-ups and was scratched. <laughs> Tortorella's probably. <laughs> right. Can I get, it, can I get a mic in his face right now about that? Is he yelling about I only have one right winger now, too? <laughs> um, but they are tied at one. Winnipeg got a very early goal okay. from Mark Shifley. They have battled back Artemi Panarin. Right. Tied it at the 852 mark. Well, let's go, let's go Jets. Because if they win, then the Sabres tomorrow could pull within a point of a team that's got a lot of questions surrounding it. They, I think them and Montreal now are the most realistic. I still think Montreal is the team. I still think that they're the most realistic. 
They're the most likely to me to drop off. They're the most realistic, even though Carey Price is their goaltender. I think they're the most realistic to start, you know, they've been very defensive all year. I think they could absolutely start allowing a lot of goals. Their blue line is not that good. Shea Weber's great, and it's very thin after that. Jeff Petrie's okay. I was going to say, Petrie's been very good for He's been very year. good offensively. Um, and, like, there's just not a ton there, though. So I wonder if they can hold it up with Price kind of having average numbers this year with that blue line. And then, like I said before, their three, their top three scorers, Domi, Druin, and Tatar, who have been driving the bus for them offensively this year, are all three players who have been inconsistent throughout their career. They could go dry at any point. They've actually kind of gone dry the last month. But I think they could just – you could they could go – like zeros at any point here for like weeks at a time. Domi had eight goals all last season. Yeah, it just goes to show that Montreal was not their first destination in their careers. Right. They're there for a reason. Other teams gave up on them. So it seems like a lot of there's a lot of targets here. You're only four points behind Pittsburgh, four points behind Washington. Islanders f- vaguely in the picture at seven points ahead. Toronto's only six points ahead. Boston's only four points ahead. It's a lot of targets, but right now, Montreal, Columbus, those are the two most realistic, I, I got to think. Um, I got a TV thing I want to talk about. Uh, NBA stuff. One more quick thing here, too, before we go to the break. Sure. Um, remember last week we talked about trade partners for the Sabres if they were to make some minor deals yep. or future deals. We talked about Philadelphia being one of those teams. Potentially, it doesn't look like that tonight. Sean Hutchin, a, a correspondent for the Bruins, there are 16 teams that have sent representatives to the Philadelphia-Boston game. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is not there. Really? Yeah. Anaheim, well, I guess that doesn't mean they wouldn't trade, but that's not a... Right, at least for tonight. Anaheim, Chicago, Colorado, Columbus, Detroit, Edmonton, the list goes on and on. Uh, not tonight, though, for the Sabres. Gotcha. All right. There's an update on that. Pominville, his name was mentioned in a rumor today. We mentioned him last week. He was in my poll, actually. I had a poll at some point about something. Oh, yeah, what do you want the Sabres to do with the deadline? Option four was like, all right, they're sellers. You trade Pominville for like a fourth or a fifth or maybe you get something better, a third or second. Um, 36 years old, one year left in his deal. If you're out of the picture, you probably trade him. They might trade him anyway just because he doesn't play a lot of minutes right now. We'll see. Hopefully not because everyone loves Jason Pomville. And you'd love to see him in the playoffs again. That'd be awesome. 803-0550 is the number if you want to get in on the conversation. I do want to talk some NBA as we go forward here. Anthony Davis, his name's back in the trade rumors. And oh, not, not overnight, over an afternoon, Porzingis rumors become him getting traded like that just happened no one was talking about this yesterday he's not on the Knicks so we'll talk a little basketball as we go forward here too it's the nightcap with Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell for another half hour here on WGR so let me get this straight you've been hurt since last season you don't play a game this season and then you go into the organization and you tell them I don't want to be with you anymore I don't want to play with this franchise meanwhile while the summer is approaching where the Brooklyn Nets got enough cap space going after two players the Lakers are obviously doing what they're doing the Clippers are potentially going after two max players what are you going to do if you're the Knicks you're looking to make noise in free agency you can't possibly pull that off if the star of your franchise doesn't want to be there and he's telling everybody don't come because I'm not going to be here because I don't want to be here and you shouldn't either Stephen A going in on the Knicks those Knicks oh the Knicks 
I mean, the Knicks have been a joke my entire life. All of it. Like when I was a kid watching Family Guy, they were making Nick jokes. And that still rings true. They traded their best player, Christophe Porzingis, today to Dallas. It's interesting. It's interesting in the fact that it kind of was like reported at like 2 o'clock that he might have some disinterest in staying there. And he was traded by 3.30. Like it was less than two hours that we went, oh, Porzingis might not want to stay in New York to, okay, he's a maverick. And he's gone. Just like that. Like, insert, well, that escalated quickly, gif. I I mean, you talk about the Bills' dysfunction, you talk about the Sabres' dysfunction, at least we got years once in a while here where we're good. The Knicks, just nothing. And it's got to come back to their owner. James Dolan gets so much criticism for the way he runs that team. And I think at some point, it's got to be right. I mean, that guy is easily your best player, like a star in the league. He's not a superstar, but he's certainly a star. 7'3", he's only in his early 20s, like a freak athlete. And you don't even stick around for him to hit his prime. You nailed the pick, and you don't stick around. Like, your fans hated it at the time. Remember all the videos of Knicks fans being super upset that they drafted a guy they'd never heard of from Latvia? And then he showed up, and they're all like, oh, he's amazing. And then you only had him for two years, three years, and he's traded. Three years. I, they, I, I guess they think they're getting Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. I mean, maybe you'll get Irving or Jimmy Butler, but, like, you're not getting Kevin Durant. There's no way. Stephen A, he's, he yells a lot, but what he says within that, within there, is kind of right, like, it's a quiet kid who's just doing his job, playing well for the Knicks, and he doesn't want to stay there. So why should anyone want to come there? Especially right now when they've got like no players. So they're messing things up. I, I don't think Kevin Durant ends up there. I'd be stunned. I wouldn't be stunned if Kyrie Irving goes there because he's from there and he's talked about going there uh, before and being interested in going there. Although he's mentioned Porzingis whenever he mentions going there. So maybe he won't want to go now. Who knows? Unless they bring someone else in. Um, Anthony Davis is more interesting to me. Because, and I'm kind of glad that like drew itself out. I'm kind of happy that Davis didn't request a trade and was traded like an hour later. Like He requested a trade early this week, and here's Thursday. All right. like We might wait till the offseason. It's not the great part. you got to love the NBA for the fact that star players just get traded all the time. It's just fun. It's not fun for small markets, I guess. Although I wouldn't say New York's clearly not a small market. But it's fun. Player movement, trades, it's all great. It gets talk going. You don't think the NBA, even though they handed down a $50,000 fine to Anthony Davis, which is a fake fine, by the way, considering he makes three hundred grand a game, it's a fake fine. They like it. They love it, the NBA. It's Super Bowl week. Typically one of the weeks of the year where everyone's talking football. And not here, because we're in Buffalo, there's no NBA team. We're not a big basketball market by any means. But nationally, I think more people are talking about Anthony Davis. The NBA loves it. They are now controlling conversation during Super Bowl week. 
That league is coming. 20 years from now, if not sooner, that's going to be the biggest sport in America. Super popular with young people. It's star-driven. There's drama all over the place. There's big personalities. Players are allowed to have personalities. They express themselves in social media. There's a reason that like 20 million people follow the NBA on Instagram and like 4 million follow the NBA. Like that is like young people are gravitating towards the NBA because of all that. Because they don't you listen to LeBron talk and it's not just him saying, "Oh, we got to get better next game." Uh, we got to work hard, get better, we got to be ready to go, they're a good team, the Suns, they're a great team, uh, they're going to present a challenge, we need to be ready to go. No, he doesn't give you that. They give you honesty. They'll call other people out. They're entertaining. And not just on the court. The whole thing's a show. Not just the game. Like, the whole production. The press conferences, the trade requests, the reports... All of it is a giant show. And I think that's the league that's getting it more than anybody right now. And Anthony Davis, like this week, that's what people are talking about a lot in sports. One of the league's best players. think he probably, he'll end up with the Lakers, I think, eventually. Um, the Pelicans have no reason to trade him. If you're familiar at all with that situation, the NBA has this weird trade rules. Like, it's the one thing I think that league should get up to speed with. Like, they make it way too hard to make trades. And I know a lot of them happen, but they make it just way too hard. Oh, is that where I heard where it's actually more beneficial for them to yeah. wait and trade him? Do it in the offseason. The yeah. Celtics, who are a team that everyone thinks wants him, can't make a trade for him until the offseason because of this rule that basically says they can't have Kyrie Irving. And it, it, it would take way too long for me to explain what the rule is. But they can't essentially trade for him until the offseason. So, like, why would you do it now? Wait until you get all your guys or all the all the bidders in. Because Davis, if you're not familiar with the situation, he's got a year left on his contract. So he requested a trade now, but the Pelicans don't have to do that until really next year's trade deadline. So the only place I could see him being traded like right now would be Toronto. Just north here. Because they're in a situation, they got Kawhi Leonard's their best player, and he's got a. This is the last year in his deal. And there's a lot of speculation he's going to go to LA, probably the Clippers. And if that's true, then the Raptors are basically going all in on this year. And if they don't care too much about the future, then why not go get Anthony Davis? Kind of reminds me of the the Blue Jackets, just kind of a little different. The Blue Jackets are sitting here with two amazing players that are probably going to walk away for nothing at the end of the year. See, they've got to decide, do we trade them and try to build for the future or get pieces for the future, or do we just swallow our pride and we go all in this year? Let's go get Matt Duchesne. The Blue Jackets got to make that call in hockey. I think the Raptors are just going to do the all-in move in basketball. And I think they might trade for Davis. Like That would be a huge swing, and like I said, I don't know if it makes sense for New Orleans, but... It's exciting. It's exciting times in the NBA. They're also going to televise their All-Star draft, which is going to be even better, I think, than the NHL All-Star draft because, you know, NHL, everybody loves each other, especially the star players. They're all friendly. There's a lot of beef in the NBA. Durant and Westbrook, Kyrie and LeBron, although that might have settled down, it seems, lately. Jimmy Butler with everybody. Um, I'm missing something. 
J.R. Smith and the game clock. <laughs> sure, that one too. The Warriors and LeBron, like Draymond and him, just all of it. Uh, so that's going to be cool too. All right. 803 number. Last call on the nightcap is coming up next here on WGR. Last call on the nightcap. 803-0550 is the phone number. Talked about a range of subjects today. One thing we did not get to that I was looking at earlier, and Kyle, you were looking at it with me, The because uh, Jeremy's all over the offer sheets all the time. And ah yes, like it's, it's I want it to happen. It's probably never gonna happen. Like when will it happen again? It takes a super specific set of circumstances for that to happen, and you got to be willing to give up a ton. Like if the Sabers wanted Braden Point, for instance, they have to give four first round picks. If they could even do it, is that worth it? That's a lot of stuff. But at the same time, like maybe the NHL needs to dial back the compensation because these teams are getting themselves into spots where they're not worried about offer sheet compensation. If it was only two first-round picks to get Braden Point away, Tampa would not be in the spot that they're in. They have handed out big contracts to a ton of players. All of these forwards they got on their team right now that they got locked up long-term on big money. Next year, for instance, Stamkos, 8.5. Callahan, 5.8. Palat, 5.3. JT Miller, 5.25. Johnson, 5. Kucherov, 9.5. Kalorn, 4.5. Gord, over 5. That's just forwards. That's a ton of salary. I mean, holy crap. Think of Yanni Gord, a six-year deal worth $5.1 million. Say we got Reinhardt on a 3.75 deal. And I know Gord was an older rookie, too, but one year of 50 points last season. Right, and you just hand him this giant contract. There's no way they had to do that. There's no way. And now you're in a spot where they've only got $6 million in cap room total next year, and you got to sign Braden Point, who's one of the great young players in the league right now at age 22. How are you going to swing that? Because if you were in a system that had to worry about offer sheet compensation, they'd be, they'd be screwed right now. Toronto, to a lesser extent, similar situation. They're going to have to worry about Matthews and Neeland, or Matthews and Marner. And the report comes out today from Dreger, Darren Dreger that Marner wants the same money as Matthews, which to me is nuts. I mean, not nuts, but I don't think he's quite worth that money. I think he's worth near it, but Matthews is better, I think, goal-scoring-wise uh, especially. And they're both RFAs after the year. I mean, the way you look at it, they don't have a lot of players under contract, and they've only got $19 million in cap space for next year. If you're going to pay Matthews $12 million and Marner wants $12 million, that's $5 million more than you've got. And that's not including other guys you got to sign because you got to fill out your roster. Again, that's a situation a team would probably not be able to find themselves in if you had offer sheet compensation that was realistic. If you didn't have to pay four first-round picks to get Mitch Marner. Because nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing that. And the other thing, too, is because the offer sheet compensation is so expensive, it's going to be a lot harder to get a player to sign an offer sheet. Because you got we don't often think of it this way, but think about it from the player's point of view. The player, to me, if I'm a player, if I'm Mitch Marner, 
and I want Matthew's money. But I know, sitting here today, that if I sign with, I don't know, the Islanders for $12 million, I've got to be really confident that the Leafs are not going to match that offer because I don't think that I want to go back to that locker room and back to that organization and have to look everybody in the eyes and they know that I signed to leave them. Leave them all. That I wanted out. I signed with another team. Ryan O'Reilly talked about this in depth once on a podcast, saying that it never felt the same when I returned to that Colorado locker room after I signed the offer sheet. It never felt the same. And to me, if I was a player, I'd be worried about that same thing. If i got to stick around long term with a group of guys, I want them to know that I'm fully invested. I don't want them to think that, hey, I want it out. So to me... If I'm a player, I don't think I'm signing an offer sheet unless I really am confident that I'm going to that team that I sign with and I'm not being matched. And when you've got four first-round picks on your head, it's no one's ever going to sign it in the first place, but I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's a tough system. The GMs, I think, are part at fault because it's an old boys club and they don't want to do it to each other, especially with the, the, the lesser players. Don't make a whole lot. But the NHL's got to change the way the system goes or don't have it. Because it doesn't work anyway. You haven't had an offer sheet in five, six years. So what's the point? Anyway, it's my little offer sheet ramble. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can check the the whole show out on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. Of course, we've got Sabres action tomorrow night. Sabers at or Sabers hosting the the uh, Blackhawks that gets going at 7 p.m. pregame starting at six. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks everybody for listening. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.